Hey guys, my name is Colin and I'm one of the hosts of Panthers Talk Philly. This podcast is supposed to emulate a real Philly talk show. Myself, my co-host Ron, and producer Roman will come on to talk about sports with a new special guest each episode. If you're a PJP student, faculty member, or teacher, and wish to be a special guest on the show, make sure to talk to any one of us or send us an email. Without further ado, let's get on to the first ever episode of Panthers Talk Philly. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first ever podcast, uh, Panthers Talk Philly. Getting ready to go here. I'm going to be your host along with Ron. We have our producer, Roman, and our very special guest for this episode, Drew. He is a star basketball player and a radio broadcaster for PSPN. How you doing, Drew? Great, Colin. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh no problem. It's a it's a pleasure to have you as the first as the first guest. Very honorable okay. position right there. Yeah. So as far as today goes, um, Drew, what can we expect out of you and pretty much the whole team for the upcoming season? Uh this year we're just looking to build upon last year. Uh so first year coach. Uh last year we took a lot of good steps in the right direction. We're looking to build on that. Hopefully add a couple more wins. Uh hopefully a district championship and uh, improving from the previous season. For those uh, freshmen that might listen to this show, can uh, you tell them how you did last season, Drew? Uh, last season we finished 13-12. and 12. Uh, We finished third in the Pioneer Athletic Conference, and we lost in the district championship by two points. Successful season mm. overall. Pretty solid season. So along with uh... – your your basketball career there drew we know that you're really involved in philly sports huge fan of the phillies eagles sixers and even the flyers i i think you're you know kind of a philly four for four guy there right um so we are coming off of an extremely hard loss uh this is the monday after the falcons loss so um what can you kind of tell us about that? And what did you kind of get from the game? Um, it, I think it was a, it was a learning experience. I feel like in every loss, it, uh, you're, you're taking one step back, but you're also taking two steps forward. I think they learned a lot about themselves. And I think they, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of positive takeaways from that game. Okay. And as far as, you know, the whole team goes with all the injuries, you know, you lose Dallas Goddard before the game even starts. That throws off the game plan. Then you have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey leaving also in the first quarter. So that kind of threw off the whole dynamic of the team where, you know, maybe three out of the, you know, main four or five receiving threats are out of the game. And even the running game wasn't doing well. Like Miles Sanders hasn't performed well at all. Hasn't looked like a second-round pick. He's looked more like a late-round pick. He's not averaging over three yards per carry in either of his games so far hasn't had, you know, any kind of success running the ball. And to me, it just seems like, you know, the injuries didn't hit us when we were in the preseason, but having it hit us now is probably the worst time for it because we didn't have any kind of preparation. Everything was kind of just thrown together. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I mean, you look at Carson Wentz and what, I mean, 
I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to make any excuses for him. He didn't have his best night, especially in the first half last night. Not at all. He threw two picks. And, I mean, one of them was caught while the defender was sitting down. So, I mean. I did see that falling throw that he did. That was pretty nice. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. See, that was kind of in the, um, towards the end where he kind of picked things up. I'm not trying to make excuses for Carson, but, like, if you look at it, you have, like Ron said, you have Deshaun Jackson gone, Alshon Jeffrey gone, Dallas Goddard gone. I mean, that's your first, second, and your fifth receivers gone. And then you have a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who's your number three receiver, who used to at one point be your number two and sometimes even number one in certain games back in, like, 2016. And he's dropping balls and he's looking – I mean, he just really didn't step up to the – didn't step up to the plate, to be honest with you. I mean, that one that one drop that he had, I mean, that would have scored a touchdown um, for sure. And the Eagles might have run away with that game. As much as they probably didn't deserve to win that after the horrible first half and even the start of the third quarter with that fumble right off of the kickoff, um, I mean, they didn't really deserve to win, but Nelson Aguilar the last three years, he's been, despite his season where he forgot how to catch, yeah. he uh, <laughs> he's done so much for the Eagles as a whole. He's he's always healthy. He's always playing. He he's always out there. I mean, he did he drop a big one last night? Yes, he made up for it on the fourth and long though on the uh, forty-three yard reception. That's true. Despite Nelson Aguilar's rough season, he has always been there for the Eagles. Year after year, he's always playing. He's always healthy. He's always giving it 110. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I for sure agree with you. I think his progress kind of from that first season where, like you said, he he definitely forgot to catch. Um, and I think he's definitely moved into a better position. I don't think he's suited to be on a wide out. And I don't think he's supposed to be a number one. I don't think that's his role, especially in an offense like this. I think he's perfect right where he is in the slot. But last night we kind of saw, like, he was pushed out to the side with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And, um, you know, you could just tell that that's really not his position. So it kind of makes me worried. Like, at first when we were watching the game, I had no idea – why Deshaun Jackson and El- Alshon Jeffrey were were on the sideline. I mean, I still don't really know. I can agree with that. I still do not know why they weren't in the game. And as far as I can tell for right now, Alshon Jeffrey is listed as doubtful as of right now for next week. So it's not expected that he's going to be playing either. I mean, so we like, don't know what to expect from Deshaun Jackson either. It was just so weird, though, because usually, I mean, you get – like a notification or something from like NFL or, or the Eagles or something that comes in, but there was nothing. Like I didn't hear a single thing about that on like any of the Philly talk shows. Like nobody was talking about it. It seemed like it kind of was kept Just, as a secret. Yeah. I don't know if it was like last minute or something like that, but no, as much you know. as, as much as that would hurt, I think uh, we didn't, game plan with those guys in. We had all week game planning with Jeffrey and uh, yeah. Jackson, but I mean, I'm sure it'll be a little better if we had a little heads up they weren't going to play next week, so I'm sure next week won't be as hard be to a, watch. Yeah. 
they'll be a lot more prepared. Mm-hmm. Seems a little sketchy to me. Yeah. I got to say, I'm a uh, big J.J. Ortega-Whitesides fan. I, I'm going to have to – I love him. Like, he's got – He's got the name. He's a yeah. Spanish football player. You don't find many Spanish football players these days. <laughs> the guy guy goes out there and hustles. Yeah, I mean – Philadelphia. And kind of to your point about his name, I've been kind of saying this um, about Jordan Howard for the past couple of seasons. I picked him up um, for my fantasy team back when he had those monster seasons with the Bears. And I I told everybody, I was like, he suffers from normal name syndrome. Like, nobody knows him. Eric name ever. He I mean, also he's suffers one of the top being running backs in the past few seasons. I mean, he, his numbers compare to, to running backs like Todd Gurley and – and like Melvin Gordon and, and guys like that that have been at the top constantly, like he's up there. Well, so. Colin, you know what we call that? We call that the Philadelphia running back effect. Happened to DeMarco Murray. It uh, it happened with uh, recently. Who was uh, – I'm out of here, guys. DeMarco Murray struggled. Uh, Darren Spoke. Ryan Matthews. Drafted. Ryan Matthews for sure struggled. Uh, it's just, it's just the system. We spread out running backs so widely that like no one can get no one can get the ball rolling. You know, last night I I understand we use multiple running backs and that's fine and I'm I'm happy with that. But the frustrating part is between all of our running backs combined, including Carson Wentz, they didn't rush for 50 yards and they ran the ball 20 plus times. That's what frustrates me. And especially when you have a running back by committee. You know, every kind of back has its own kind of like special trait or something that it can they can do. Absolutely. You know, like the the bell cow kind of running backs only work if it's a generational type of running back, like right. your Ezekiel Elliott's, your you know Saquon Barkley's, the guys that are drafted really. You get guys like Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Those guys aren't, you know, meant to be a three down back. They can develop into them, but that's not what they are coming out of college. It's not what they are now. And I think with Jordan Howard, with I think he's the best running back that we have right now. And it's a shame that Miles Sanders is getting all the you know touches, and he's been the most inefficient running back that we've had. No, I I think it's safe to give Miles Sanders time. He's a rookie who's played what fifty snaps of football total, even. I just think if you want to win games, you, there's no reason to be developing running backs in the regular season when you're trying to win these games. Right. It's just really disappointing to see that kind of stuff happen where it's like you're just kind of watching them all just struggle, and it's just infuriating to watch. Like your emotions go from high to low after every kind of series, it seems like. Yeah, it's hard to fall in love with a guy. Another running back I also mentioned uh... – Jay Ajayi also fell in effect to the uh, Philadelphia running back. But it's hard to fall in love with a running back when they're not going to be on the field every snap and, and get those carries, you know. And it seems like the only kind of running back that came in here through like a free agency that was kind of decent was really just like Garrett Blunt, and you knew what you were going to be getting out of him. Yeah. It was good that we kind of had, you know, other running backs that could compliment him, but he was really like the only one that you knew what he was going to be bringing to the table. And he was bringing it pretty much every week. 
very good point, Ron. I have a no, quick I question like... real quick. Oh, you, you go, Roman. Sorry, sorry to butt in, but uh, going off of yesterday's loss, you boys obviously know a lot better about this team than I do. I don't really keep up with the Eagles, but based off of what you saw yesterday, what do you think they need to do for the next week or so to uh, potentially not repeat what happened last night? Well, first it starts off with addressing what's going on with the secondary because, you know, the interior defensive line and all of those guys in the front seven can get as many pressures as they want. But if guys like Ronald Darby are going to get burnt, you know, four times in one series, you're not going to win games like that. And it wasn't that he was close to the guy either. They just kept missing the ball. If they can't, if they catch, you know, one of the four deep ball catches or the throws, then they're still scoring. You know, it's, it's, it's just constantly reoccurring where it's like we have a cornerback that's, you know, a quarterback one and they just get burned by all kinds of wide receivers. And, you know, you have guys like Malcolm Jenkins who can play all these kinds of snaps, didn't miss a snap like all of last year, but these guys are only going to get older. So what's going to happen when Malcolm Jenkins isn't there to be like the keystone? What's going to happen when Rodney McLeod is injured again? Like you can say it's a next man up mentality, but the guys that are still playing aren't performing and you, these the other guys are depth players for a reason. So I think it's only going to get worse as the year goes on, unless they address something through somewhat of a trade or, you know, addressing it through free agency. Cause there's guys like Eric Berry who are still available. They have Minka Fitzpatrick who's up for a trade right now. And they said that they wanted, you know, a second round pick, maybe a third or a first. We have, you know, we don't have a lot of draft draft capital, but it seems like if you want to compete, you know those are going to be late picks. And why would you not take a risk on the former 11th overall pick who can play, you know, both safeties? He could play cornerback, and he's under contract until 2021 anyways. So it mm-hmm. seems like it's, you have to give up a lot, but you should be getting a lot back in return. And that's, you know, another young player who's even said on record that he looks up to Malcolm Jenkins and how he plays and his play style and everything. It just seems like the cards are just perfect for us to go after and pursue these guys. And it's just up to Howie Roseman to just look in the mirror and say, like, this defense and the secondary is just not performing the way it should be. And if we want to compete, you know, and get back to the Super Bowl, we need to make sure that we have the most complete team. I, I, have, to, I have to agree with you on that one. But I do want to point out, I know Ronald Darby was getting toasted last night, but uh, Rasul Douglas – the uh, young corner out of West Virginia. I thought he had a great night. He did a pretty good job on Julio Jones with the exception of that screen pass on the fourth and two. But Which was a block in the back, that one that ended up securing them the game. It most certainly was a block in the back, which was on Mohamed Sanu. Um, but Rasul Douglas has been playing great, and I think Jones had a pretty good night. Other than Ronald Darby, who was just getting toasted the whole night, we all have guys like Craven LeBlanc, Craven LeBlanc, who's been injured, and uh, Jalen Mills, who's also been injured. So hopefully, when those guys come back, they can come in, pick up some some big snaps. The way that I view it is, if you don't hear their name called at all, they're playing well because you don't have to worry about them getting busted coverages when you know the color commentators or any of them are speaking about it. Like you didn't hear much about Sidney Jones, which was you know surprising and it's good to see but people like like i'm saying like ronald darby he was involved in pretty much every you know big yeah. play sydney jones but his his home's in the slot he's a slot corner for sure he's got good size 
And I think Rasul Douglas also has a good size. I think he definitely belongs on the outside. I think Mills and Darby are going to have to fight for that corner number one spot because Darby's fast. But, I mean, He's just small. He's very small. And Calvin Ridley was giving him the works last night. Oh, yeah. All right, so, yeah, um, outside of that, you know, the game coming up, we, like I said earlier, we're not expecting, you know, Alshon Jeffrey to play, but we should be expecting Goddard to be back. Even if it was just a little bit of soreness, it's rather to be safe than sorry in that situation, I guess. But, you know, going into next week, what do you think Doug Peterson should be saying to the players and just kind of how they should be? you know, what should be on their mind, what should be the mindset, and just how to execute the game so we come out with the W. I personally think uh, they just got to get Wentz going early. I think I think we can't we can't rush Wentz. We can't have Wentz just come out, like, throwing bombs the whole game. I think we need to have green passes, my RPOs, just some simple stuff. We're, we're overcomplicating the offense with Wentz, so I think they need to take a step back and just run what works, not try to do too much. <clears throat> Let the plays come to you. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you on um, on the offense. I think Doug Peterson has got to kind of change the plays a little bit. I'm not completely set. Like, on some of these plays, like, it's like third and six, and you know that that delayed handoff to Darren Sproles or something really stupid like that, that isn't going isn't to work. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work. I just don't understand why he keeps going back to these plays, like something like that. And I'm not really sure if my uh, mic was working a little earlier, but um, I think the defense is the main problem of this team right now. I think the offense can hold its own against most. And to be honest with you, if you look at other offenses – I mean, there aren't many that you could pick that at least couldn't go back and forth with the Eagles. Like, the Eagles can keep up with most to all of these of these offenses. But this defense, especially the secondary, and we were talking a little bit about the cornerback from, from Miami. But another one that just kind of popped in, um, his name is escaping me time and time again. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. If you are uh, Howie Roseman, you should be so excited to get one of these. It needs to be a necessity to get one of these guys because Ronald Darby is not working. Because the number one receiver for the Redskins and Case Keenum put like, what, 250? How many, how many yards did they put on them in that first half of that Redskins game? <laughs> too much way too much <laughs> and with a guy like Ronald Darby like especially as your number one cornerback like I just don't understand the reason why he is covering all these number one wide receivers because time and time again he's been beat over and over again in the long ball and and just overall like he's just I just don't understand to kind of take over what you were talking about with Ramsey and such, like 
I don't know if trading for Ramsey is that good of a you know move to make because they want at least a first-round pick for him, and he's going to be going into a contract year. And we know how we acted in the preseason with the Brinks truck and all that kind of stuff. Like This guy is clearly a personality. He clearly believes in himself, and he believes that he should be one of the highest-paid cornerbacks, if not the highest-paid cornerbacks in the league. And after giving up so many contracts this year and eventually going into effect – all the new contracts, like the extension for Wentz, we're not going to have that much cap space. And putting you know whatever we have left into a cornerback, I don't know if that's the right move to make, especially when you have guys like Jordan Howard who are going to need new contracts after this season. If you want to keep these guys for the long term, you're going to need cap space to make that happen. And I think between the two, Fitzpatrick makes more sense because even though he was a first-round pick as well, he was a – you know. He's still on his rookie contract, and he was a later pick than Ramsey, so his annual average value is going to be lower than what it would be if we were going to get Ramsey. Yeah, but I, the one of the things that that one of the things that I feel like isn't talked about enough when it comes to the Eagles is the identity of the offense ever since Frank Reich left for the Colts. Yes, yeah, yeah. said it better. Ever since then, you know. Granted, we've had different players, but pretty much the same core guys have been here, and we've really only improved. That's been the whole narrative since we've, you know, started this season and everything into the off season with the whole hype around Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Howard, and all the new additions. The whole mindset was for Carson Wentz to just let the guys that are meant to make plays make the plays. Carson Wentz gets himself injured, season's going to be over because Josh McCown's not going to take us to the promise line. That's we don't even need to test that to know that's going to happen. Yeah, I think that goes unsaid. <laughs> it's just, I, I think, you know, with our current offensive coordinator, he had trouble last year when he got the job. And it just seems like this year, you know, outside of the big plays from Deshaun Jackson, this offense has just been insanely stagnant. We haven't gotten the run game started at all. You know, as far as passing goes, outside of the, you know, deep passes, we haven't had many, you know, plays where the wide receiver was going 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. It's always just been kind of home run balls that have been the highlight plays of the season and really nothing else. Right. If, if we may, can we go back to what uh, the running back discussion that we were talking about a few moments ago, this, this may sound kind of unpopular, but I'm one to make pretty extreme, extreme uh, views on some, on some things in terms of football. I think, uh, as much as I love Darren Sproles, and I'm sure all of you love Darren Sproles and the rest of Philadelphia loves Darren Sproles, I think Darren Sproles is he's a, he's a pothole in the road to success for the younger running back because Darren Sproles consistently is taking up snaps that Miles Sanders could be getting, and he's, he's stunting the development of the younger backs. Even the guys like Jordan Howard, they're not getting the snaps they would usually get on another roster because Darren Sproles is an experienced vet and he's taken snaps away from these younger guys. Do you think pretty that, spicy take there? I, do you think that Darren Sproles is really only getting time because Miles Sanders hasn't proven himself as a receiver? Or do you think, you know, Jordan Howard's never been known as someone who can get, you know, yards after the catch? When you get guys like Darren Sproles who are known to be shifty and just be a human joystick you can give him the ball four yards behind the line of scrimmage and he can make four yards out of it. You can't really say the same for someone like Jordan Howard. But and it's Bob, not, it's not like, sorry, continue. 
I'm, it's not like, you know, Miles Sanders isn't getting all kinds of attempts as it is. He's still, you know, considered the lead back for the team. Well, can you answer me this, Ron? Is Darren Sproles going to be here in two years? No. Will Miles Sanders be in two years? Yeah, but why are we worried about two years from the future when we can't win games now and this is the only season that matters I, right now? If if um, if nobody minds me stepping in, I really don't think this one game, I don't think this should send us in a downward spiral of, oh my gosh, we're not going to even make it into the playoffs. We're going to win games, and that's, I think that goes without saying. We're a good football team, and that's, I mean, you can ask anybody that. That's an unbiased opinion. I I agree to a certain point with Drew, uh, with Darren Sproles. I think he's used too much. I think, I do think that he does steal some runs from guys like Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. And I think Doug Peterson likes to stick with what works. And in the past few years, especially in Carson Wentz's um, first season with us, uh, the play that, that sticks out the most was that one Steelers, when we were going against the Steelers, and Darren Sproles made that, that move that only a veteran would know. And he got upfield, and he ended up scoring like a 40-yard touchdown. And I think Doug has a lot of memories like that with Darren Sproles, and he knows that he can make things happen. And he rather trusts a guy that is a veteran that has more experience than a guy like Miles Sanders, who essentially could take the same position as a Darren Sproles. He's he could become, you know, really good in the receiving area, and on top of that, he's very shifty. Um, I think Jordan Howard is kind of on his own island. He's a completely different running back, um, but I think there needs to be a little more balance between or a little less handoffs, I should say, to Darren Sproles. But I, I still think he should get some looks. Right. And and Doug Pearson, with the aggressive play caller he is, and with the weapons we have on the outside, if I were the coach, I'd throw the ball eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten. Because our running game is extremely inefficient. And I think if we can, if we can establish the passing game early, we can empty out the uh, the box a little bit and open up the run game. And if in terms of – sorry, I don't want to jump around, but in terms of what we were saying about the uh, cornerback situation and Jalen Ramsey, I believe Jalen Ramsey – you know the, the sort of attitude that Baker Mayfield brings to the Browns? Do you guys know what Baker Mayfield brings to the Browns that yeah. is a tangible? He brings that winning attitude. That's why they picked them because the Browns couldn't win a game to save themselves. I think Jalen Ramsey has that same kind of attitude on the defensive end. He's a winner. He's cocky. And I think we need some of that, especially in a defensive back. Yeah, and I think he would bring kind of a sense of pride and just kind of that, like you said, intangible that we haven't really seen anybody else. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins has been the closest that we would get, but – Malcolm is definitely different than Jalen in the way that Malcolm is kind of more, okay, we're not going to trash on anybody. We're just going to believe in ourselves, but somebody like Jalen Ramsey. No, let's punch them in the mouth. Let's, let's tear them to pieces. We're so much better than them. 
So that's definitely a different look, but I feel like he does embody the kind of Philadelphia mentality that the Eagles should be bringing with them. Absolutely. Okay, so um, we pretty much covered everything we needed to for the Eagles, you know. We kind of covered what they needed to do for next week to kind of bounce back. We kind of we covered what happened, you know, week two, how they can fix it. Um, something that's coming to a close soon is the Philly season and that whole, you know, reality TV show, it seems like, where <laughs> they start off well, then they Smart get bad. Smart choice of words. They just, it's just it's just a drama at this point. And I just wanted to know what your opinion on that was as far as the season goes. And, you know, if you expect them to go farther than what the regular season holds. I think Phillies this season has been like a, it's like, if you have a, it's like a, it's a, it's a great dog, you know, it's supposed to be trained to all these tricks. And then you find out the puppy can't do any tricks. And then it's just not what you thought it was. Then you just got to wait for you know, it's a highway you, robbery. You, you got to wait for the puppy. To, uh, <laughs> I guess to the puppy ceases before you can like look forward to the next puppy, you know? That's a great analogy. Thank True. you. Thank you. Great analogy. True. That's actually really funny. I, I, I kind of have my own analogy for the uh, Philly season. So I'm not really sure if uh, any of you guys or any of the listeners at home have ever been to Ocean City, New Jersey. Anybody? Of course. Love Ocean City, New Jersey. Yes. So you guys would know the really big blue roller coaster in Castaway Cove. Absolutely. it's, It's been hyped up for the past year. And when you ride it, it's really cool. And it's awesome. But it breaks down. It breaks down all the time. And like, (laughs) honestly, I, I couldn't see a closer connection with the Phillies team in the way that they were hyped up so much coming into the season. I mean, we were easily in the top three or four for world series contenders. And then we had some really great ups, but then at the same time, we, the team is broken all the time. I, the team was really just constructed to perform well, and it, it fits what baseball is about now, where you get a lot of you know hitters, and it's an offensive game now. This was like a historical offseason for the history of baseball where you're adding three past all-stars, you know, one of them being Harper, and, and you also get the best catcher in baseball, Real Muto, and then you know you get Segura as well. And then you also get guys like Hoskins who are getting – you know, MVP projections and stuff in the preseason or before the season starts, rather. Um, You had only high hopes for this team and it was built to succeed. And it just seems like everything kind of fell apart after, you know, before the all-star break, it was kind of falling apart. And it's really only been a roller coaster for a lack of words since then. Yeah. Well, you can really unpack the Philly season and find out who the key to all their success is. Let's go to the batting lineup real quick. You got... Andrew McCutcheon was great. Great leader. He got hurt. McCutcheon goes down. That's kind of when the wheels started spinning. Then yeah. you go to Segura. Segura, he was pretty good. Would you call him wrong? Would you guys agree with that? Like, how would you say Segura did this year? Yeah. I mean, he was batting, like, 
over 300 for a majority of the year. Then he kind of just hit a slump and he hasn't passed really like 280, 290 since. But I mean, yeah, towards the beginning of the season, he was he was a pretty solid player. But as Rotten said, he he dropped after that. Right, and then move on to Bryce Harper. Now, a lot of people have def- definitely very different opinions about Bryce Harper. I'll I'll save mine for now. It's, what do you guys think? Can I just uh, can I just say that as much as Bryce has been called overhyped or overrated, um. We can't ignore that he has gotten over 100 RBIs this season. And mm-hmm. last time, it was that stat that people were saying he's only done that maybe two times in his career or one other season in his career. Um, so as much as we, as a <laughs> as a Philly fan base, you know how Philly fans can be sometimes, <laughs> um, as picky as we can be, um, there's only room for improvement. I would say for Bryce, like I'm pretty excited to see how much he can develop until next season. Sure, there was a lot more that he could have done, especially looking at his uh, stats back in in uh, Washington. But really, there has to be more production from the rest of the team because Bryce, after all, he's just one guy. As good as he is, he's just one guy. I think you're right to. Um, kind of a certain point there, Roman. I personally, for me, just a quick overview of my belief on Harper and how he did this season. The two things that I think we really brought him in here for was home run hitting and RBIs. I don't think he's the most spectacular field player. Um, Ooh, or- I have to really disagree with you there, Colin. Sorry. Yeah, he, he kind of has a cannon. <laughs> well, I mean – but but the main reason was for the home runs and the hitting. Like that was his, yeah. his strong point. He does he have thirty one home runs for this year. <laughs> Harper was supposed to fill seats and win games. Now did he fill seats? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he win games? I'll give him like an eight out of ten for that. Uh, he did win us some games. But with Bryce Harper, I'm gonna. If you told me right now, or if you told me back in April, April and March, if you said Bryce Harper in September is gonna have thirty two home runs and hundred six RBIs. I would have been like, awesome, we're in the playoffs, you know. But Wow, and, great. So we've gone through like the first three hitters. Now let's let's expand. Reese Hoskins, how did he do this year? We, uh, he, we don't even just speak of Reese Hoskins. We know exactly. What he, he was going to only hit the arsenal <laughs> break, and then he kind of just went on vacation. He's still yeah, there now. He took a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then move after that. Real Muto, best season of his career, best catcher in baseball. He's been phenomenal. Then you got a guy like, Scott Kingry, who we got what we expected and some. The guy was phenomenal. I'm a huge Scott Kingry fan. Doesn't even know. <laughs> we all know. For, the, yeah, for those listeners, uh, Drew is extremely uh, interested. Like, he just loves Scott Kingry. To the point where it's somewhat unhealthy. <laughs> I'm going to name the relationship between Drew and Scott Kingry. Um, I'm going to call it a bromance. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not an addiction. Uh Really? It's it's just a bromance. I think it's more of a, a, a slightly uh, unhealthy bromance. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll put, we'll put Scott Kingry aside. Move on to a guy like Cesar Hernandez leading the team in hits. I think we got, we got what we got out of Cesar. So right yeah. now, we've gone over, what, seven, eight guys. They've all done what we thought or, or better, except for Reese Hoskins. 
And that's mm-hmm. why we're 16 games out of the National League East. And I think I was I think everybody just had their their highs at different times. And like you look at uh Bryce Harper or uh you know, you could pick a lot of different guys on this team. They've all had their very high ups, but then when they come down, they're coming down really hard and they take down the team with them and majority of the team is is down there with them. That, my friend, is what we call the law of averages. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just uh, remind everybody um, of the massive hype train that was behind Jay Bruce about halfway through the season? <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember watching his <laughs> But then he just, like, game. died. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. What... I was talking to my dad. I was talking to my dad, uh, I think it was, like, three days ago. And I was telling him, I was like, Dad, you remember Jay Bruce? And he's like... Yeah, I think I do remember that guy. <laughs> because the guy just came out of the gates. What was it? He hit uh, seven home runs it or was six crazy. home runs in his first seven games. Yeah, yeah, great start to the year. But the uh, the people were not blaming enough. We went over that batting lineup. They're all pretty well, with the exception of Reese Hoskins. The pitching between the pitching, oh the starters, mm, and the bullpen. Mm. Historically, probably one of the worst pitching seasons in the in my life for the Phillies, you could. I don't even like an, to say the word pitching when we talk about the Phillies. You could start another team with all of like, you could have an entire team's bullpen with the amount of injuries we have in ours currently right now. It's a t- literally a team and then some. And I everyone, you know, David Robertson, who's been an extremely reliable relief pitcher, gets injured within the first week or two of the season out for the season. He's going to be out for some part of the next season as well. And, you know, it's bad when Hector Neris has been one of the more consistent, you know, relief pitchers in our bullpen. Because last year he was the one that was reliable for most of the games we had lost late. He was blowing saves left and right. And now he's, you know, almost like the trophy boy for of our bullpen. Yeah, I agree. I don't really I like, also to like to say the word pitching anymore. Real Muto and the Phillies both have mutual interest in a contract negotiation and extension. So That's, if, you know, Clinton doesn't mess this up, yeah. that trade's looking. So it's what I like to hear. So I think that's going to be all the time we have. We can talk more about. Uh, JT possibly resigning with the Phillies, kind of seeing where the Phillies are at with the next episode um, whenever that comes out. And then we'll continue to talk about the Eagles. And eventually when we start to get kind of closer to the Sixer season, we will talk about them and kind of their hopes for the season as well. But I believe that's all the time we do have for this episode. Um, Hold on one second. I would like to add some producer notes real quick. Oh, yes. All right. Um, so, of course, this was a very good episode for you people listening at home. Uh, as I can firmly say, this is a work in progress. So we will be striving to get better every episode. Our guests will most likely get better and better. Of course, um, it's going to be hard to top our uh, special man, Drew, today. Thank you very much, Drew, for joining us. Yes, thank you, Drew. I do have to say your uh, football expertise is top-notch. 
Much appreciated, Joe. Appreciate it. Well, thank you guys all for listening uh, and tuning in. Make sure to uh, keep yourself updated with the podcast. We're going to try and get another episode out pretty soon. If you would like to be a special guest, just make sure to talk to myself, Ron, or Roman, or just send us an email, and uh, we'll make sure to get back to you. But uh, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, I'm Colin Fuges, along here with Ron and Roman, and this is Panthers Talk Philly.